Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a powerful time in God's presence already. Isn't it wonderful that we can pray we can pray here in Cork, Ireland, and affect the situation in Afghanistan. But James says that the prayers of a righteous man are fervent. If they're fervent, they're effectual. They're powerful. They availeth much. It's amazing what a saint can do on their knees, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that we're most potent, most powerful when we're on our knees? Isn't that tremendous? It's funny, when you get older, it's sort of harder to get off your knees for more reasons than one. <laughs> but it's the truth isn't it? We're powerful on our knees. I want to share something with you tonight from God's Word. Uh, I believe that it's from the Lord, um, and I want it to be an encouragement. That's been my prayer all today as I've been sort of waiting on the Lord, as I've been in the Word. Lord, can, we, can, can, can you use me tonight to be an encouragement? So that's what I want to do. And so I want to talk to you tonight about finding confidence in uncertain times finding confidence in uncertain times. These are uncertain times, right? They are. They really are. Just today, I saw an, an independent article that said, uncertain outlook as COVID cases reach their highest in six months. Isn't it funny how we only need to log on and look to a screen and we're hit, we're bombarded with this message of uncertainty, now more than ever, we feel like we're in a storm as a people. It's rather hard, isn't it, to look and find something to find confidence in in this world. I don't know how people who don't know the Lord make it. I don't know how, because we have a sure and steadfast anchor to the soul. Amen. His name is Jesus, right? We go beyond the veil through faith to a victory that will outlast the isms of this world. Amen. But people who don't know Jesus don't have that hope. So I pray that we would be stirred in our spirits again to bring the truth of the gospel beyond the walls of the church. Amen. And we've got the ability to do it even on our computer. Here's just a little tangent before we even start in the word tonight. Here's an idea. Why don't we use social media to inform others of what Christ has done rather than to be informed uh, every opinion and idea and conspiracy, conspiracy theory? Maybe we treat social media as a way to get the gospel out rather than a doorway to let everybody's opinion in on every little thing in the world today. What do you think about that? It's true. I think it's worth trying. Amen. But we're living in times that are uncertain. And I want to look today uh, at, at a psalm, uh, Psalm 46. And I want to just spend uh, our time tonight in Psalm 46. I want to walk through that psalm. And I want to, to, to bring out, by the grace of God, some of the encouragement and some of the power that's right in the words here tonight. So I, we need encouragement from God's word, don't we? We need consolation. Do you know that God's word is a comfort? Do you know that God's word can give you hope and strength and lift your head tonight? It can. 
So let's just pray quickly. Lord, I just pray that as we open your word, Lord, you would open our hearts to receive tonight. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. We surrender to what you would do in your people. We surrender and we ask that Jesus would be clearly seen, that we would receive the implanted word that, Lord, would bring a harvest of righteousness out of our lives. I pray for that, Lord. I pray that you would touch those of us who are uncertain, those of us who are fearful, those of us who have doubt, those of us who have been in a storm for so long now that they've lost hope that they'll get to the other side. I pray tonight they would be reminded who is in the boat with them. Thank you, Lord, for that truth that you never called us into a storm without first getting into the boat and speaking a word of direction and a promise over us that you would bring us, your church, your people, to the other side. And so I just pray as we go through this psalm, you would use me, Lord, in my frailty and my imperfection to bring out something of your perfection for your people. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Now, Martin Luther, the reformer, made some interesting statements about Psalm 46. Um, he said this. He said, well, first of all, he said, um, apparently, uh, it was recorded that in his darkest moments, Luther would say to his friends, come, let us sing the 46th Psalm and let them do their worst. Okay, so Charles Spurgeon called this psalm a song of holy confidence. Amen. Do we need a song of holy confidence in a time like this? I think so. A psalm of holy, a song of holy confidence. And Martin Luther also said this We sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? We only have to turn on the TV to see fanatical spirits at work in Afghanistan. Every ism is at play in the world in which we live. We are constantly bombarded by ideas and concepts, things that build themselves up against the knowledge of God. Yet in all these things, we're more than conquerors because Christ is with us to give us strength. We are not alone in this storm called life. It's tremendous, isn't it? We're not alone. So I'm going to read Psalm 46 and I'm going to look really at three things. I'm going to break the psalm into three distinct pieces. And the first thing you need to know that we're going to look at is the idea that God is with us. The second thing that we're going to look at is the reality of our perspective when we're in an uncertain time or season. And the last thing we're going to look at is the power of remembrance and stillness in the presence of God. Are you ready? Let's read God's word. Psalm 46. God is our fortress. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, 
we will not give way. Though the earth, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. And though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, through, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Hallelujah, amen and amen for the word of God tonight. Psalm 46 was written, we believe at a time, um, it's in 2 Kings chapter 18, where Hezekiah has been besieged by the Assyrian army. Sennacherib rides up and he's already laid lackish to waste and he rides up and puts uh, Jerusalem under siege and makes threats and it's a massive military force. The Assyrians were fierce people and at that time God brings a mighty deliverance. The Bible says after Hezekiah had done everything, he laid down all the threats of the enemy on the threshing room floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And Isaiah the prophet gave a word saying, Sennacherib will not enter into the city. And then that night, the angel of the Lord came and slew 185,000 of the Assyrian horde. A miraculous deliverance from God. So this is the context of the psalm. But I want to look, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Folks, listen. When the world is falling apart in an uncertain time, it doesn't mean that I have to be gripped by fear. Amen. It doesn't mean that. I don't have to be. God is my shelter and my strength. When I can't go on, his presence is my proven help. So the psalmist paints a picture for us. He paints a picture of mountains falling into the seas. And it's a picture of what is stable falling into instability. It's a picture of, of what is strong uh, by the world standards slipping into instability. And in the past 18 months, stability has been swallowed by instability. The mountains have fallen into the sea and it's been a time of exposure. I want you to try and, and see this. God is using this time, this storm called COVID as a time of exposure. Sometimes God has to let seemingly stable things, the mountains, shake, crumble, and fall into the sea to expose their inability to be your refuge until you have no place to hide but in God. That's the plan. 
Why is everything falling, crumbling into the sea? Because God is exposing the economies of this world, the systems of this world, the values of this world. They have no power, no foundation, no ability to save, no strength. And what I love about the psalmist, what he says here is that the God is three things for us in this place of uncertainty. He is a refuge. What does that mean? It means a shelter from the storm. He is a shelter. Come on church. He is your shelter. He is your rock, your hiding place. He is the one. He's a shelter and he's a strength. Are you tired? Are you spiritually fatigued? Are you at the end of yourself? He is with you as a strength to you in this time. You can be strong, not in your own strength, but in the strength that God supplies. When we wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40 verse 8, will renew their strength. And what is waiting? It's to wait with expectation. It is to expect him to give what he's promised to give according to his word. That's what it is. Not can he do it, but he will do it for me because I'm his child. That's what it is. And finally, the psalmist says, he's a proven help. So the original language, it's proven help. He's a tested help. Folks, his very presence is help. His very presence is help. For God to be with you is for help to be with you. For God to be with you is for help to be in your presence. I love in 1 Samuel 7, Samuel puts a rock as a Mizpah stone in uh, Israel to signify a victory against the Philistines. And he called the rock Ebenezer. Now, one of the names of God is Jehovah Ebenezer, and it means the rock of help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A rock of help. He can't help but be a deliverer. He can't help but be a savior. He is by default a deliverer and a savior and a lover of his people. So for him to be with you is for him to be your deliverer. For him to be with you is for him to be your savior. For him to be with you is for him to be your help. God is present with you as a shelter, a strength, and as a proven help. He is proven against the powers of this world. He is proven against the powers of the age. He's proven against the storms that rage and billow and roll. He is proven. He won at the cross a victory over all that could come against you. Every ism, let me read it again. Every ism, every fanatical spirit against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil and against all the assaults of the world and flesh and sin. He is a proven help. Therefore, he can be our refuge. Why should we fear, saints? Why should we fear? Why should we fear? Why should we look at the world that crumbles, this present age that's coming to an end, and be afraid. These aren't death rattles, they're birth pangs. The kingdom that he's put in you, he's bringing into this world. The kingdom that he birthed in you, 
He's birthing into this world. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Jesus says in John 16, when a woman is giving birth, she has birth pangs, but afterward, when the baby arrives, she forgets the pain of birth. There'll be a day where all this will be forgotten. A new age, a new time, where we won't cry anymore. There'll be no sickness, no fear, no tears. None of that will never say goodbye again. It'll only be hello. It'll only be hello. It'll only be, I hope you saved me a seat. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be reconciliation. It's going to be us reuniting with those who've gone ahead of us. It's going to be an age where we will be brought together. Those who are in Christ will be reunited, whether dead or alive, forever. Why should we fear when we see this age crumbling and falling into the sea? Why should we? God is with me. Two, our perspective matters. Our perspective, your perspective matters right now. What you focus on is important. It's important right now that you see that where you put your eyes will directly affect your peace. So the psalmist brings us from this picture of a storm-tossed, of, of mountains falling into the sea, right? And I want you to see it in your mind's eye, that storm and those mountains crumbling into the ocean. And if you're not good at imagining things, there's something similar. You, you ever see it in, in, in Inception? You ever see Inception? There's a whole thing there like that. So, you know, anyway, if you, you know, it just reminded me of Inception. But anyway, I won't totally derail the message. <laughs> but anyway, the second thing the psalmist does now, and I think that this is amazing. Look at this here. Verse 4. He's talking about a storm, about billowing, a billowing ocean, and then he moves and starts to talk about a river. Hallelujah. He starts to talk about a river. He starts to talk about a stream. A river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Folks, listen to me. Above the storm and the billows that roll, there is a river flowing from a victory, from a Savior, glorified Savior. There is a peace. There is a dominion, a higher authority. There is a glory beyond what is happening to this age. We can see it when through the eyes of faith we begin to look at what is going on. Amen. Now Psalm 29 verse 10 tells us that the Lord is enthroned above the flood, enthroned above the deluge. Psalm 27 verse 5 tells us that God is seated above the flood. God is above this. God, somebody needs to hear that God is in control tonight. Somebody needs to hear that God isn't just with me in my boat. He's enthroned above the storm that I'm going through. Somebody needs to hear that God, so many of us, we are God, Jesus, you're with me and I accepted you and hallelujah. We accepted the Lord of glory. We accepted the King of Kings. We accepted the author of life and the God of creation. It's not just some designer Jesus living in your heart, some BG Jesus with a designer drop of blood. This is creator God. What are the storms of life to Jesus Christ? What are the storms of life to the one who broke the grasp of death 
forever. Broke the grave open. Broke the power of sin and death and hell. What is my crisis? To the savior of the universe. To the lover of my soul. To the redeemer. My redeemer. My redeemer lives. So shall I live. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. Because I live, you'll live. Because I've gone through to the other side. You are already there. You're already there. So look, church. Look beyond the storm. What is temporal and passing away to what is eternal. Look beyond and see Jesus high and lifted up. See the train of his robe fill the temple. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, in the year Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uzziah is a picture of strength. Maybe it's time for strength to die. Maybe it's time for strength to die. Maybe it's time to be still and stop trying to control what is beyond us to control. So many of us live in a past we can't change or in a future we can't control. And we miss what God is doing now. Mark 4. Jesus, having preached all day in Capernaum, preaching, it's northern Galilee, preaching, teaching. He says to his disciples, come, let's go. Let's cross the Sea of Galilee. Let's go to the Gadarenes or the Decapolis. Let's go to the other side. That's what he says. He takes his people, his, his disciples. They're in the will of God. They're doing what God called them to do. And he says, come, let us go to the other side. And the Bible says, on the Sea of Galilee, they encountered a storm. And in their panic and in their desperation, they tried to can imagine it, you're trying to just take the water and throw it over the side of the boat and they run to Jesus who's asleep on the stern and they say, don't you care that we're dying? Isn't it funny how God gives us a word, I'm going to bring you through and then seems to be asleep so we're in a tension between what God said he'll do and what God appears to be doing. What we need to learn is that God is what God was teaching his disciples and what God is showing us is that that word, let's go to the other side, was just as powerful as the word, be still, that he spoke to the wind and the waves. It's the same word. So why we don't always need the, the seas to, but they, we don't always need the clouds to open and God to speak in a dramatic fashion. We can live day by day by the promises he's given us in his word. It's enough. It's enough. And so God says, let us go to the other side. He says, let's go to the other side because there's purpose on the other side. Because on the other side of COVID, there are people who are broken, who are needy, who need deliverance, who need an encounter with Jesus. That's the truth. On the other side of that storm, there was a demoniac in the gatherings who was bound. He was socially excluded. He had nobody no one. And God, Jesus, was bringing his people through a storm so he could establish faith, faith in them for his word so they would believe his word and ultimately that they would get to the other side and that they would be a help to broken, needy people. The disciples, like so many of us in the storm, hadn't lost sight of where Jesus was but they'd lost sight of who he was. 
I want to just be practical for a second here. There's another instance in the Gospels where Jesus and his disciples, they're out on the boat, and Jesus is walking. Actually, the disciples are on the boat, and Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, and they call Jesus and Peter, and he says, Lord, can I come out and can I walk to you? And Peter walks out, and we know the story. It's that famous story of Peter walking on water. We know the story. And I want to say this to you. Peter sank for a reason. The Bible says when his eyes were on Jesus, he was able to walk on water. But when he began to look at the storm and the wind and the waves, he sank. Now the word for peace in uh, the Hebrew is shalom, and it means a, a state of inner peace, actually. And I want to say this to you, that the peace, that, that the storms that sink you are the storms that you let get inside of you. Okay, they're the ones that sink you. Okay, and so how do we let storms get inside of us? Well, it's right there in the passage. Peter took his eyes off Jesus, took his eyes off that river of peace, off that glorified Savior, and he put them on the waves. And I want to say practically, and I touched on social media already, but on a practical note, I want to say this. Maybe it's time to log off. Maybe it's time to log off. Maybe it's time to start looking at news feeds and the opinions of people because it is a storm. Facebook has become a storm. Twitter has become a storm. Even Instagram, the news, it's become a storm. And we can cover it in nobility while I'm trying to keep informed. There's nothing wrong with being informed. But be honest, sometimes those storms can get inside of you and you can be more worried about who's vaccinated or not rather than who's saved or not. I'm just saying We can get more worked up about those left and right issues than the vertical issues of eternity, of heaven and hell. Maybe it's time to log off so we can keep our eyes on the Savior and maintain the peace and the joy that is ours in Jesus. It's ours in Jesus, a river that makes glad the city of God. Now, there's no river in Jerusalem, so it's a spiritual river, and it flows to the people of God, and you are, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have an inheritance, and peace is your inheritance, so look at him. Keep your eyes on him, and look at what the psalmist says here. He says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. And at the right time, in the morning, he will be her help. Listen to me. He's with you. You shall not be moved. He's your rock of help. We belong to a spiritual city that cannot be moved, folks. Hebrews 11 says, Abraham looked forward to a city that had foundations, whose builder and architect was God. In the 12th chapter, it says that we've come to a heavenly Jerusalem, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so because you belong to a city with foundations, now even as the mountains fall into the sea, because you belong to that city, that unshakable place, you have a destination. And so therefore you have hope. I have hope. I know where I'm going. I'm going to the other side. I know where I'm going. I have a kingdom. I have, there are foundations. This world is breaking apart because it's built on the wrong foundation. It's being exposed as what it is. And great will be the fall of it. 
Great will be the fall of it. Great, it will fall. Jesus said it. A wise man builds his house upon the rock. An unwise man on the sands. And the storms came. And the man whose house was built on the sand, it crumbled and fell. And great was the fall of it. And this world is built on the sands of human strength, religion, human effort, humanity, ego, pride. And it's crumbling apart. A virus you can't even see. It's breaking apart the kingdoms of the age. But Jesus, Jesus is boding us upward, onward and upward. Amen? Onward and upward. Hallelujah. Jesus. I have a destination. 2 Timothy 4.18 The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Hallelujah. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Not a wonderful promise tonight from God's word. A wonderful promise. There will be a consummation of all things. It's a longer theological term for a wedding. There's going to be a wedding, right? God is going to bring his bride all the way to the altar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. um, How am I for time? (laughs) Well, it just roll on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, and now for the main event, <laughs> the be still part. Listen, verse 8 through 11, there's power and remembrance and stillness. God, uh, the psalmist says, come see the works of the Lord. Turn your eyes to his victory over the strength of man. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. Call it to remembrance. Jeremiah said this, I uh, call to mind and in this I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. That's Jeremiah's call. So I'm intentional about going back to God's testimony of faithfulness in my life that I might have hope. He's never failed me. Why should he fail me now? He's never failed me. He's brought me through this and that and the other. Why would he ever fail me now? Call to mind his mercies and you can have hope. Saint, listen, and, and the main event, be still. And, now, now, and so uh, the, the psalmist brings you through and shows you these victories, the victories of God over the spear, over the over the. Um, uh, uh, the, yes, the, the bow and the spear and the chariots with fire. And then he says, be still and know that I am God. And this, this excited me when I, when I saw it. There are actually two applications for this here. It can mean two different things. And so the first thing it means, well, what it means is surrender. Put your hands up. Hands up. Surrender. Drop your weapons. That's what it means. Be still. I know that I am God. But this is what I love. It's got two applications. First one, it's to you. Surrender your arguments and your futile efforts to control things that are not in your domain. Stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to bail the water out of the ship. I am your God. I am your savior. But this one excites me. Most commentators actually think that that be still and know that I am God isn't directed towards us at all. Rather, it's directed towards our enemies from God. Be still and know that I am God is actually God 
rising up like Jesus did on the boat and speaking to the storm over our lives. Be still and know that I am God. Isn't that wonderful? That's literally the Lord, isn't that? Can we just take a minute here? I think about how many times, I'm telling you, how many times that God would rise up. God would rise up. Lord, rise up and let your enemies be scattered. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. And so God himself would say to your enemies, be still, cease your attacks. Know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that I am God to the glory of the Father. When we are still, God rises up to fight the battles we can never fight. And the psalmist ends by saying, the Lord is with us as a fortress, the Lord of hosts. And that means the Lord of angel armies, the Lord, the commander of the hosts of heaven. When Joshua entered into Canaan, he met a commander. And the com- he, Joshua said, whose side are you on? And the commander said, whose side am I on? Whose side are you on? I'm the, you don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. You don't know. Second Kings 6, Elisha, Elisha and Gehazi are looking down at a horde, at an army. And Elisha says, he prays, open the eyes of your servant, of Gehazi, to see the truth. That there's more of us, there's more for us than against us. And the Bible says Gehazi's eyes were opened and he looked at the hills and saw the entire host of heaven, flaming chariots, the whole host of heaven, stacked arrayed, flanking him. Now Psalm 125 says this, the Lord, like the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, now and forevermore. Psalm 121 says this, I look to the hills from where my help comes. My help comes from, from my, <laughs> I look to the hills from where my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah tonight, folks. Listen, he's speaking to your storm tonight. And I just want to close just with a prayer before I hand back to Pastor Nick. And the prayer is this, Lord, open the eyes of your servant. Show me that there are more of us than them. Lord, I look to the hills from where my help comes. Help me to look up, to see you high and lifted up. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lord, thank you that on the other side of my storm, there are broken and needy people crying out for Jesus. And you're going to use me. You're going to use me in all my frailty and all my inability to set people free. You're only getting started, Lord. Here, beyond my storm, there's purpose. And ultimately, Lord, there is an eternity with you. Why should I fear, though the mountains tremble and fall into the sea? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Nick.
Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.